Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Here comes the exciting June 25th message, His Hand to Mine, a feast for your spirit. Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me once again here at the Digital Cathedral on a Sunday morning. And for those of you that are with us the first time, we give you a special welcome. Glad that you're with us today. Hope you find the Digital Cathedral uh, satisfying. If if you happen to live in an area where there's no Grace Church that teaches um, inclusion, teaches unconditional love, mercy of God that endures forever and teaches a grace that is very radical and hyper and very pure, free from law, we welcome you to the Digital Cathedral. That's what our message is about. Now this morning I want to get into some things that might be a little sensitive to some of you. Some of you might even trigger. So I want you to stay with me all the way to the end this morning and hear me completely out on the subject that I want to talk about today. I think we're at a good place to get this because we're we're maturing into some things which which might require that we shift a little bit. Um I'm trying to design the teaching. I'm really sensitive to the Spirit of God right now about where we're moving as a group. Now, I know that we're always having new people come in, and they're going to have to just catch up with some things. But those of you that have been with me a while, I try to, I try to stay far enough in front that it challenges you, but not so far front in front that you think, man, there's no use. I can't, I can't, <clears throat> I can't keep up with this. And so it is maybe for those of you that are coming in, you need to go back and look at as many previous times together that we've had at the Digital Cathedral, kind of get up to speed to what, to where God's taking us right now. Um, so as I go through this teaching this morning, I want you just to stay open to what the Father says to you. I always encourage you to do that. I don't encourage you to ever believe anything just because I say it. I want it to resonate with you. I want it. I want the Father to reveal it, unveil it, unpack it for you individually. Because uh, it's not it's not my job to lay down and say this is the way it's got to be. This is what you have to believe. I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to stretch you. I can't. I can teach it, but I can't believe it for you. And wherever you're at in this journey, the Father's going to help you to uh, believe and to receive as much as you possibly can. So this morning, we're going to look at some at, a, at an area um, that I think we're ready to receive. So let me lay a little bit of foundation before I actually get into the to the subject matter this morning. I'm going to ask. I'm going to make three points this morning. But before I ever get to any of the points. I uh, always try to lay a little bit of foundation. I've learned I, er, I learned early in the game that foundation, uh, that revelation without foundation brings condemnation. So anytime we're moving to a revelation, moving into something that's maybe just going to challenge our perception a bit, we need to lay foundation because I don't want the condemnation. I don't want you to, to feel, even within yourself, any kind of condemnation. So we're going to give a little bit of foundation, hit into the three points, a little revelation, and I hope that it will move you up a little bit and help you to speed in your journey as we um, are moving into becoming... Uh, Actually, the manifestation of the Son, so the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So all of this reflects the kingdom. Let me begin this morning over in Ephesians chapter 1. Let me just pick up verses 19, 20, 21. Uh, let's just talk a little bit, and then we'll hit three points, 
and um, not, I don't have a poem. <laughs> we'll do our three points this morning and see if, if it aids you in your understanding. Are you ready to go? All right. First, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Speaking about God, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Remember, believing is a effortless response to revelation. So when he has revealed to you and you see something you can't unsee it, you automatically embrace it and believe it. So he's talking about what is he the, the exceeding, not just the power, the exceeding power of of him to us according to to our level of believing, according to the working of his mighty power. So there's no limit to what he's showing us that belief. Let me read that, that again. I don't, I don't want to make it too fuzzy. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us that believe, that have responded to revelation, according to the working of his mighty power, to which I can just tell you there's no end to it. There, there's no place where you can get to where you say, we've, we've exasperated his ability to show us or we've hit the end of his power and ability. Now, he, he, Paul says, here's how he demonstrated. He said, here's how this exceeding power looks, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, part power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body right the fullness of him <laughs> wow this this really he he starts out by telling us how great god's power is and then he brings it right into our life the body of christ which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I hope you caught out of this that there is one exceeding great and powerful force in the universe, and that's God. There's only one power. There's only one creative force. And uh, you can read over in, what is it, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, right, right along in there, that that power that raised Jesus from the dead, this exceeding great power, has also been given to us. All right? So uh, the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So think about this. Actually, it's what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6 calls the Father that is in all. There's one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. He's in you this morning. The one power, let, think about this, the one power that created all that was created has come to live in you. He's come to dwell in you, tabernacle in you. Come to make a permanent home in you. That's what dwell means. It comes to make a permanent home in you. And this connects you back to Genesis 2-7. This has always been the way that it was. It's only been religion that has made us feel separated, emptied out, that he wasn't dwelling within us. In Genesis 2-7, it says that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. It was at that very point that God said, I'm joining myself to man and there's nothing that's going to separate me. There's nothing going to disjoin me from what I have joined myself to. So right then, he stamped you with his image. You carry his image. And he is perpetually, continually developing you into his likeness, which leads me to say this. You're not just a mere human this morning. You are not just a mere human. You are a new creation. 
You are walking the planet as a species that never existed pre-resurrection. You are, you are, you, you have your daddy's DNA this morning, right? So because of that connection, because of the power that has filled you, the one that has, that has created the universe, any time that you have ever felt a lack, any time that you have ever felt like, I don't possess every good thing, it was a result of you falsely feeling and oftentimes this feeling was generated by religion, you falsely feeling separated and apart from the infinite source and creator who inhabits you. James said, James chapter 1, verse 5, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives, us, that gives to all men liberally. Now that wisdom is for every area of life. With that wisdom comes the understanding of how to tap into everything that you need, which is an unlimited supply. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1, this one of those verses you just don't hear taught in church. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So again, let me just say this. Anytime that you feel that you lack anything, it's because you've been hoodwinked into thinking that you've been separated and disconnected from the source of all to which he connected you to from the very beginning of time. Now there's a little caveat on this. It says in verse 3, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Watch. Through the knowledge of him, so as our knowledge increases, the understanding we have and the possession that we have of all things that pertain to life and godliness that covers the street. There's nothing you need outside of what you need in life or in a spiritual dimension in godliness. He gave us those as we gain an understanding about him. And he called us by his glory and by his virtue. So lack, lack and poverty, <clears throat> lack and poverty are enemies. Let me just establish that this morning. If you, if you are feeling uh, that you lack or you're feeling poor, you're feeling that you lack anything in life, if you lack anything in spiritual development, it's because you have been duped because it belongs, it belongs to you. You're in full possession of it. So lack and poverty aren't your friends my friend, I don't care what they told you at church. I don't care how they exemplified poverty as being this spiritual virtue. It's not. Lack and poverty are as much your enemy as death is. Did you catch that? Death's not your friend. Lack is not your friend. Poverty is not your friend. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10? He said, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, the thief is not the devil. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal. Now, if you back it up to verse 7 of John 10, you'll see that Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Do you know what has killed, stealed, stealed stolen from you and destroyed, tried to destroy? It's been religion. And because, of, because some of you were hip deep in that, it has, it has left a bad taste in your mouth. 
You know that you have been ripped off. You know that death was ministered to you. It was not life. Yet, yet the scripture, and I'm coming to you this morning saying, even though they ministered uh, stealing, killing, and destroying as the Pharisees did to the people of that day, even though maybe the church that you went to always brought everything in a light that made you fearful, made you feel like you, you didn't deserve, that you were lacking, that you were separated. I'm telling you this morning that what God says is that you possess everything that pertains to life and godliness, and you are eternally connected to the source, the creator of all things. Man, let that settle down in your spirit. Grab onto that. I, I don't care how, how negative you feel toward religion and the church and that whole, that whole thing. Let it go. He's got something better. In fact, have you ever felt like this? You've ever felt like, man, if I had the power to help that guy that needs a job over there, my neighbor, my friend, maybe a relative. If I had the ability to, to direct them toward a job, I'd do it. Or how about this? This is, I, I've felt this before. Have you ever looked at a single mom working two jobs, three jobs, trying to raise children all by herself? And you thought, man, if I, if I were able, I would do something to help that single mom. Might be a relative of yours. You ever looked at a relative and thought, man, my heart breaks for them. There's a better life than that. And yet they're so convinced they've been ripped off they don't know who they are. They don't know what they possess. They have no idea of their connection. They're looking at a life that is, is by all visibility separated. And yet there's an ache in your heart. Where do you think that comes from? Point number, that's my first point this morning. It comes in the form of a question. Where do you think that desire to give comes from that has arisen within you when you see a need, when you see a lack? i tell you where it comes from. It's the Spirit of God within you that is expressing himself as you. And so you feel the emotion. You feel the empathy. He's looking to give whatever is needed in a situation, and he's looking to give it through you, and you're feeling that pull from the Father to give. See, you're the instrument of his choice to give. You... And I told you this might trigger some of you because I'm going to get into talking about giving this morning. You are a giver by nature just like your daddy. Your father's a giver. He gives good things. If you, if you had an... Let, let, let me make it very practical. If you had an unlimited resource, if you, if you had a bank account that had no bottom to it, and you lived in America and you wanted to help somebody in India... And you're trying to locate somebody in India. Who would you look for to be your hands in India? Would you look for a stingy thief that hoarded everything that he got? That you you sent him a big check. You gave you got contacted this guy in India, and you said, "Look, whatever the whatever they they need in that village, uh, I'm here to supply it." And the guy just kept it all, hoarded it all for himself. Would you? Would you continually pipe resources to that person, or would you look for somebody that shared your heart, shared your vision? shared your empathy, and who lived there. Look, look, what, look what James chapter 1 says. James chapter 1. Let's just, I'm over here in Peter. Let me just back up to, to James. 
All right, are you you're still with me this morning? We're gonna we're gonna hit some good things. James chapter one verse seventeen. He it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes and comes down through the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of His own will. Now watch. All right, so every good gift comes from God. And I was going to bring you into this in verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Or in other words, he brought us forth to be a first fruits who are exactly like him. And he is the one, verse 17, that gives good gifts. So he's looking, he's looking for you to be one through which he can give the good gifts, right? Verse 17, he gives good gifts. No bad gifts come from, from, from your papa. There's no bad gifts. And verse 18 says that you are the first fruits of those good gifts that he gives. We are the evidence. Let me just make it as plain as I can. We're the evidence of who should produce after his kind. Because you are after his kind. I just got done telling you you're filled with the DNA of your father. You are a, you have a divine nature. You're not just a human. You're not just walking around on the planet as a mere human being. I know you've probably been drilled with that, but you're not. You are a new creation. Old things passed away. All things are new. This is a brand new world in which you're living, and it's a world in which you're living that the Father's looking to express himself through fully. Do you understand this morning? He is able to give through you, and it's not going to make you poor. It's going to make you, in fact, richer. I got more to say about that in just a minute, but just hold that thought. The Father's looking that he can reach, he can reach the planet through your hands, bestow to you good gifts because you and your father are one, then your nature is the same as the father. I, I feel strength in that this morning. Your nature is the same as that of the father. You are a giver like the father is a giver. And I know this thing of giving is going to trigger some of you. I understand that. I understand that. You went through years. I, was, I, I made the trip with you. You went through years in church pressure of guilt, of coercion, calls to sacrifice, give until it hurts, made to feel like you were cursed if you didn't give every dollar you had in your wall, if you didn't tithe 10%, not just 10%, but 10% of your gross income, right? I get it. I get that. Believe me, I get it. I had to come to a place. I came through that system. I was, I was trained to receive offerings from people. Think what I had to shed. I didn't have to shed. Look, I tithed. I have given hundreds of thousands of dollars into that system over, over my 50 years as a pastor. Are you kidding me? Every year when, when the, 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 the giving statements were, were distributed so we could deduct them on our income tax. I was, I certainly didn't make the most money in the church, but I was always close to the top of being the, the best, the most high, high dollar giver in the church. I didn't give just 10%. I'm telling you what, I went over, I was working on 20%. Now, I have to be honest with you, I never had a need, never let God bless me. I, 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 I see that. 
But I look at the motivation that was behind some of the offerings that were taken, you know, the Tizy offerings, the building funds, special offerings, offerings for speakers, for missions, and it was just never quite enough. Never felt like it was quite enough sacrifice. See, that was a that was a a special kind of works that we felt we did to get blessed. Right? I understand that system. I understand some of you were wounded severely in that system. I'm sorry about that. As as a pastor, I I ask you to forgive the church, forgive us pastors. I was I was I was an expert. I was good at it. I had to raise budgets. I had a huge building, staff, school, daycare. I I had I understand what's involved. It was running a business. There was a business aspect to it that the people helped to find it. I, I understand that, right? And it left a bad taste in our mouth. And so what happened when we came out of that system, a lot of us just quit giving, period. We just, we said, we were so hurt by that system, we just said, I'm not... <laughs> not getting into that again, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't. We tithe because we were ignorant of covenants, old and new. Tithing is not a new covenant concept. It's an Old Testament concept. All right? But let me just say this to you. I told you you might be triggered. Now that you're free of that system, and you're, you're beginning to function as a manifested son and daughter in the kingdom, it's time to realize that we do have the DNA of the ultimate giver himself who gives without reservation. He gives without limit. He doesn't give by a formula. He doesn't give by a percentage. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, it says that in giving not only Jesus, but because he gave Jesus, how could he not also give us freely everything? Jesus said at one point, he said, all that the Father has is mine. He said, and I'm asking the Father to take what is from what I have and give it to you. Now see, Jesus knew he was, Jesus didn't tithe. I don't believe there's no no record of it. He did go to the to the to the temple. He did he did go on Saturday to church was his custom. So maybe I don't know. There's no record that he did. He certainly didn't give to all the stuff that we gave to back in the the system. But Jesus had the heart of a giver. So second second point I, I want to make this morning is this, because I really think it's time that we begin to discard all that hurt, all that, for, just forgive them. You didn't starve to death. You're doing fine. Forgive the system. But it's time in the kingdom to realize that the DNA that we have within us, which is what makes us feel like we want to help somebody when we see a need. When I see the guy at the corner holding up a sign, he's hungry. There's something in me that says, give the guy a $5 bill. Give him $10. What if he goes and buys alcohol with it? That's not my problem. I'm, I'm, there, I'm there to minister to him. So my second point this morning is this. 
Right? Second point, let's understand that we have absolutely nothing to do with supply. We have nothing to do with supply. Our job is under the direction of the Father, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, is, is to give what is good without ceasing. He is the supply. He's the vine. He's the supplier of all the nutrients, everything that, that, that you and I, the vine, need to produce. We, hold, we bear the fruit. The fruit is hanging on us, right? We grow it. But he's the one that creates it and supplies it. And being in union with him, he's, he supplies us with that which is needed to meet needs. I mean, come on now this morning. If you are one with the ultimate, continual, extravagant giver, and my father is an extravagant giver, then shouldn't I reflect on some level the extravagant giver who, of whose DNA that I carry and whose image and likeness I have, I have born? If it's true that I'm connected to the source that I have in my hand, I carry in my hand an unlimited supply of healing that I can give, of joy that I can give, of freedom that I can give, of, of uh, uh, whatever, whatever need that you can think of, I carry in my hand the ability to give it. Do you remember over in, in Luke chapter 4, and I want to read a couple of verses, that Jesus announces, okay, my time is at hand, and he makes an announcement. In the announcement, I, I'm going to read it. I want you to notice everything he announces that he came to do because of the anointing was giving. All right, let me, let me read this for you. And I, if you're going to be as he is in this present world, then really you ought to take notice of this, right? Because the same anointing that he has, you have. First John says you have an anointing, and you know all things. Through that anointing, you have, again, you are connected to a divine source. Watch what he says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, what, everything he's going to say from here through verse 19, and I've started in verse 18, these two verses are what Jesus came to do, and every one of them is about giving. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's, he's, a, he's a gospel dispenser. He is to give it out. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives. So Jesus knew within his hand, I'm not going to stop at every, everything he says here, but I just want you to see that within the hand of Jesus, he had the ability to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That liberty was in, within his hand, and what he needed to do is now dispense it to those that had need. Recovery of sight to blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. He carried liberty, carried un, unlimited supply of liberty, and so do you. And num, verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know what that acceptable year of the Lord is making a reference back to the year of Jubilee, which happened once every 50 years when all debts were absolved and property returned to its rightful owners. So Jesus is saying, I'm here to proclaim. That's a financial thing. 
He said, whatever need that you can think of in those two verses, he pretty well covers the street. He said, I'm carrying an abundant supply of it, and I'm here on the planet to make sure as, my, as a representative of my father, I'm here to dispense it. Right? They're all given to him because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Spirit of the Lord's on you this morning. That's why you have a heart to give. And some of you have been conflicted by that because you've been wounded at church. You've looked at your, you thought back over the thousands and thousands of dollars you probably were coerced into tithing. Because see, the whole thing was this. It was, it was such wrong motivation. We were taught, and I taught, that when you tithe, you open the windows of heaven. So really you're buying a blessing with your tithe. That's what it was about. So the reason that we gave is, was to be blessed. And I'll keep that in mind. I want to say some things about that in a minute. But here's what I want to say right now. <clears throat> All I need to do is to keep my hand open for every good gift that the Father wants to dispense into the planet because it will come through my hand. And to really be able to enjoy it, you need to be free of the, of the bitterness and the anger. Maybe overpass manipulation in this area of giving. You need to let it go. Refuse, refuse fear that says, man, if I give something, I'm not going to have enough. See, that's a throwback to the old religious concept. Fear always, always attracts lack. You don't, you don't have to fear. We just read from, from Peter, you have everything already that you need. Fear is a branch of the wrong tree. It's a, it's, it comes from the knowledge of good and evil where you try to evaluate and summarize and say, okay, this is, this is where I'm at in this and I got to be careful because I need to, to, to hold on to enough for myself. Giving is a branch from the right tree. It's a branch from the tree of life. Remember, 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 remember. I've, I've tried to teach you well. That tree of life is simply a tree of response to the voice of the Father. It's getting yourself in a position where you're so sensitive to what the Father says that when he says give, you give. When he says go, you go. When he says speak, you speak. When he says be silent, you're silent. What he says, you act on. See, that's what the tree of life is. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is you making a determination. You're sitting there looking at the guy at the corner. I need food, and you're determining, ah, oh, man, he's, I give him five bucks. It's going to waste. He's just going to go buy cigarettes with it. He's going to go blow it on liquor or drugs. Who knows? I'm not going to do that. So you make a determination. You have a, there's something in you that really like to give, but then you make a determination, oh, I'm not going to do it because if I do it, it's just a waste of money. That's not your call. Your call is to be sensitive. If within the father says, give the guy five bucks, then you act on that. You act on that. All right. Point number three this morning. Here's my third point. Nothing can hinder the person who sees his hand filled with what the Father wants to supply. Let me say that third point again. Nothing can hinder the person. You'll never run out. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can hold you back from the person who sees his hand filled with what the Father wants to supply. 
Now, what, what does the Father want to supply? He may want to supply your intellect, your knowledge, your natural ability in an area. He may, want, he may fill your hand with time. I, I know this, that time that you give, when the Father says give time to somebody, I mean, I, I look at time, I only got so much time in a day, and you cannot recall time. See, that's, that's, a, that's a deception because we're not creatures of time. I'm a man of eternity. I'm always going to exist. So if the Father says, spend 30 minutes doing this or go over and help that person, it's going to take you all morning. I don't look at it like I'm sacrificing a morning because I'm not, time is serving me. I don't serve time. Time was created for man. Man was not created for time. Okay? So it's, it's your servant. And you're going to live forever. You're an eternal being. That's why you've you got to grasp that you're not a human being. You're a new species. You're an eternal being. You're a spirit. And we're tied to the eternal spirit that is the ultimate giver of all good gifts, James says. So nothing can hinder, nothing can restrict or hold back the man that sees that his hand is filled with whatever it is that the Father wants to supply, whether it's time, whether it's giftings, whether it's abilities, it might be money. Don't limit it. See, under the Father's direction, it's to be given to those that have need. I'll drink to that. But the supply is inexhaustible. That's what makes this so much fun. This is what this is what turns it around from the way we used to give. Everything that anybody you will ever encounter will need has already been created. The Father created in six days everything that the planet, the people, the inhabitants would ever need. Every, every, there's nothing that we can ever ever try to, 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 to draw it hasn't already been created. Now here's, here's where we've shifted from our religious days. All right. Now this, this will help you. If you're feeling wounded this morning, if you've stuck with me these 33 minutes, and, and you're going, ah, I, I, I just don't know about this giving stuff. Right? Here's, where, here's where we make a shift from our religious days. We don't give to get anymore. See, we used to use verses like uh, Luke 6.38, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, and running over, shall men give unto your bosoms. Right? So what, what we taught, and it always was, was a, a giving to get back, a giving to get blessed. Malachi 3.10, you know, if you tithe, you'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't contain. So why did, pe why did we tell people to tithe? So he'd open the windows of heaven. Why did we tell people to give? Because it would be given back to you in a, in a greater portion, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it would come back to you. See, now we don't give with that motivation anymore. Forget that. That's, that's religion. That's religious. That's, that's putting me first. We don't give for the loaves and the fishes. See, there, Jesus ministered to three, four levels of people. First group that he ministered to were people just showed up for the miracles. They were looking for the loaves and the fish. They were, they were looking for what, he, what Jesus could give them. And we filled churches with people like that, looking for what Jesus could give them. So we would say, okay, Jesus is going to give you. 
If you're like the boy, you bring the five loaves of two fish, give to Jesus, he'll multiply it. So see, that was a that was a motivation to give us to get. So when we had needs that we felt weren't met, nobody taught us that we already had everything we needed for life and godliness. Nobody taught us that uh, we already had within our hand. Nobody taught us that when we walk in the kingdom of God, the spirit of God will either lead us to what we need or bring it to you. Nobody had helped us enter into that. It was all a very selfish motivation, and I'd be the first to tell you that. But this is where we're shifting. We already have, so we're able to freely give, knowing that it does not cut short our supply. Freely we have received. Therefore, freely we can give. So when you see a need, all right, Here's, here's where we start walking in the kingdom. Here's where we start walking as manifested sons and daughters. You see a need. You see the man at the corner. You may have, you may have a relative that has lost a job, can't make the mortgage payment. You see that need. You go within and you ask the father, what do I need to do? What do I need to do in this situation? Look, I, I'm not concerned about my needs anymore because my needs are met. See, I'm walking like Jesus walked. Jesus, Jesus did not have to beg and plead and try to give to get. He didn't sow a seed. See, all that, all that is just the wrong motivation. And we were taught that it, it created greedy people. And so we had, you know, if you were in the Word of Faith movement, you looked at those guys at the top of the rung that had airplanes and huge ministries and huge houses, and they would tell you that they gave and they received back. What they didn't tell you is that they were what they were receiving was from you. Now, if you had a need, they told you to go to God. But if they had a need, they would get you to sow a seed. See, to see the hypocrisy of that system. So we're we're out of that system. We forgive that system. It's there was, there was some truth in it. See, given it will be given to you, but that's not the motivation that we give to get. We give, and it's going to come back to you so that you have an increased supply to minister and to give even more. You understand where I'm coming from? So when you see a need, here's what you do. You go with it and say, Father, what do I need to do here? Where do I need to help? And the Father gives you what is needed not appears to be what is needed. Now, did you, did you hear me? The Father will give you what is needed to meet that need, not what appears to be needed. And, and, in other words, he may fill your hand with a word of wisdom. He may fill your hand with uh, encouragement or a hog. That may be what's needed. It's not always throwing money at somebody's problem. That does not necessarily solve the problems. See, m money is probably the least of the problems that people have. What, what they need to do is, and this is where you really can help people, is they need to get themselves connected to the source of all things. My God shall supply all of your need. Remember, I ministered a couple weeks ago on that. You only have one need. And that is to get connected to the eternal source, the supply for which there is no end. So sometimes it's not just whipping out your wallet and, and giving them a couple of Ben Franklins. If you have a couple of Ben Franklins. Now, 
I, I'll tell you this, <clears throat> you may see a need, and what the first response is, I need to give that person money. But if you don't have the money, that's not what they need. Because the Father's going to fill your hand, but this is some good teaching. The Father's going to fill your hand with what they need. It, oftentimes, it's just helping them. You're going, to run, you're going to run into people that are Christians that know absolutely nothing what I'm teaching you this morning. What they're used to doing is giving to get, and they got nothing to give, so therefore the whole system is shut down for them. They need to be taught how to connect to the supply. They need to, to, to learn how to go within to hear the direction of, of how to find it is what they need. When Jesus needed to pay his taxes, the father directed him to go down, to the, go down catch a fish, and a gold coin to be in its mouth. Right? So sometimes it's teaching people that the, that, the, that, the, that the supplier himself lives within them. What I just what I went through the whole introduction about, laid some foundation about, helping to see that the creator of the universe resides in you, that the giver of all good things resides in you, that he has made his habitation, his dwelling place, his eternal home within you, which makes you then a, a connector to all that, that he possesses as well. See, we need, to, we need to teach people to eat from the tree of life. You're part of a generation that is coming out of eating strictly from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of appearance, the tree of logic, the, 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 the tree of what seems to be. And we're beating a path over to the tree of life where we're learning to be led by the Spirit. That's what being led by the Spirit is. It's eating from the tree of life. It's being sensitive to the voice of the Father and then responding to it. See, you dull his voice when you, when, you, when you perceive it, but then you run back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to see if it makes sense. It doesn't always make sense. The guy at the corner with the sign that says, need food, hungry, need food. He might not need you to take him to McDonald's and buy him a, a Big Mac and fries and a large Coke. He may need you to put your arm around him and say, brother, there's... There's a, there's a way for you to come out of this mess that you're in. Now, some are, are not wanting to come out of that mess. I fully realize that. They have emotional problems. They have mental problems. <clears throat> Sometimes they're, the best thing you can do in a father will prompt you is buy them a meal. Help them along the way a little bit. See, that's where you have to learn to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm bringing you to a level, to a perspective where you're seeing now, you're seeing situations and circumstances as the father sees them. You're not seeing it from a natural eye anymore. You're seeing them from an eye of the spirit. See, in, in real terms, we do what the, we see the Father doing. We say what we hear the Father say. See, now here's, here's the shift again. Here's the shift. Our thoughts are on giving, not receiving. Right? I told you four or five minutes ago that, that we don't give to get. So our whole focus now is changing. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of you been to church years and years and years and years and years like I was. Pastored for over, pastored 50 years, almost right on the button. I understand the system. I understand how all this works. I'm telling you it's a new day. I'm telling you I'm walking in a new dimension. I'm telling you I listen when the Father says give. I don't care who it's to. I don't care how much it is. I had a man a couple of weeks ago, I hardly knew him. 
His father died in another country. He called and he said, man, could you help me with an airline ticket? I, I was thinking, you know, immediately logic says, well, a couple hundred bucks, help him a little bit. No, 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 no. Spirit of God said, you ask him how much the ticket is and you give him the money. Now, he's, from, he's from a faraway land, brother, and I'm telling you something. The ticket was more than I, I had imagined it would be. So what did I do? Did I go to, to logic and, and say, well, he ought to have other people help him. He's got family. No. <clears throat> I said, okay, you just, do you have a Zelle? He had a Zelle. I said, okay, I'll sell you the money for the ticket. How much is it? He told me. <laughs> I zelled it to him. But that was, a, that was a, a triumph for me because I responded. Now, was I not able to eat dinner because I didn't have any food? Or was I not able to put gas in my car? And of course not. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. And along the way, somebody will, will replenish that. But I didn't, I didn't give it looking for somebody to give back to me. I didn't give and say, okay, God, I need a hundredfold return on that. No, 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 no. I, knew, I, I had the resource. It was in my hand. And there was a need. And the Father said, meet that need. Now, there was another time that I, the last week or so, that somebody called and I just, I gave them encouragement. I helped them connect to the supply. See, it's, it's always different, but you have to learn to just simply be receptive. But the, 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 the change is this, and this is so freeing. This is so freeing. At least it is to me. My thoughts are on giving, not receiving. Because as soon as I give and my expectation is to receive, I'm looking at 100-fold, 10-fold, I need to get back more than I gave. That's what you said. See, that, that, that takes away from the freedom and the, the beauty of giving. See, all, the, all that selfishness of, a, what about me? What about me? What am I going to do? All that is taken away. This is called being led by the Spirit, walking by faith, eating from the tree of life. I hope you're with me. We understand, right now we're understanding that vine branch connection. The vine, the vine never supplies less than what the branch needs to produce the fruit. The fruit of encouragement, the fruit of joy, fruit of patience. Whatever it is that you need to demonstrate, whatever it is, the vine is going to supply to you. Now, you're gonna, your, your branches are going to be weighed down with the fruit of it, right? So all you got to do is give from what the vine has supplied you. See, now as you do, I, it's just the way the kingdom works. He, he goes, like I told you, if you had an unlimited supply and you wanted to help somebody in India, you'd look for somebody in India, had your heart, shared your vision, and you'd give to them that they could dispense it. And when they did that, you may then give them more. See, we've come to a place in our, in our development of coming and conforming to the measure of the stature of Christ that we now live like him, we act like him, we can trust as Jesus trusted, we can trust as Paul trusted, that God will meet the need of whatever we encounter. The only need I have to, to tap his riches in glory is to eat from the tree of life and be responsive to him and do exactly what he says. We can live like Jesus and say, everything the Father has is mine. Why do you think he came to live in you to begin with? Is it just to, to give you goosebumps? <coughs> Make you feel good? I don't think so. 
He came to live within you so that he could demonstrate himself as you on the planet. Which means he's going to have to give you everything that you need. So I can say this morning that of his fullness we've all received in order to open our hand to give. Trust in the Lord. I'm done. <coughs> My voice is going. Trust in the Lord. And he will bring it to pass. All right? So let's just align ourselves to what the Father says every time we meet a need. Amen? All right. God bless you. Thank you. I think we've gone far enough. <coughs> I think I've gone far enough. Go back and listen to this again. And I want you just to catch the spirit of the Father's heart, which is that of being a giver. Amen? God bless. See you next time at the Digital Cathedral. Have a good day. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder. Our Digital Cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.